Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories, the show where America is the star and the American people. And we love hearing your stories. Send them to OurAmericanStories.com. They're some of our favorites. The motion picture on a wing and a prayer follows passenger Doug White's harrowing journey to safely land a plane and save his entire family from insurmountable danger after their pilot dies unexpectedly mid-flight. By the way, the role is beautifully played by Dennis Quaid. Here to share the story is the man who lived it, Doug White. Let's take a listen. 1989, I was running a drugstore in a little town of Mangum, Louisiana. M-A-N-G-H-A-M. We had no doctors there, so we had to depend on people to come from larger cities like Monroe after they've seen the doctor and bring the prescriptions 30 miles back to our store. Well, my store was literally right beside a drugstore that had been there for a hundred years, and it was called Mangum Drug, been there so long. Well, I was an out-of-towner. I lived 30 miles away, and I was originally wasn't from this area. And the lady that was running the drugstore next to me was born and raised here. Her daddy owned a cotton gin there. She graduated from high school there, so to say the least, she was killing me in business. We were just about to starve to death, so rather than try to beat her in business, I just married her. We made one big drugstore, and two kids and three granddaughters later, here we are. 
So fast forward to 2006, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine and he had just come back from the Cooper Clinic in Dallas. And I said, what's the Cooper Clinic? He said, you know the guy that invented or started aerobics, Dr. Kenneth Cooper? And I said, yeah. He said, well, he's got a big clinic out there in Dallas. It's, they don't accept insurance. They don't do any treating, but they, it's a diagnostic clinic. They just diagnose. And they've got this one test that I went through, he said, that will give you a good indication if you've got any blockages in your cardiac arteries and it's non-invasive like a heart cath is. And I said, that sounds interesting to me. I said, I think I'll look into that because I've got a lot of heart trouble in my family on both sides. So I talked to my wife and I said, you want to go to Dallas for the weekend? She said, yeah. Well, we went out there on Friday and made the appointment and went through all the tests and everything. Of course, I'd been riding a bicycle a pretty good bit, so I had some good cardio training under my belt, and we just all figured that I was going to ace all that. Well, the lady comes in on after the treadmill. She said, well, it was a positive test. I said, well, that's good. She said, no, that's not good. Positive is bad. That means you flunked it. I said, oh, I flunked it. Yep, and I think you need to have a further exam. So we did the test where they check your calcium in your arteries, the one my buddy was telling me about, and I flunked that one. And then they had me go do a heart CT, and I flunked that one. And the guy said, you need to find a cardiologist. I said, man, I, so I came back. That's made for a long weekend. I came back, and I said, I filled a lot of prescriptions for cardiologists, but I've never been to one. Who am I gonna go see? Well, this one guy's name popped out that I'd filled a lot of prescriptions for in local areas. So I went made an appointment with him. He got me in in two days. And he said, you just bought yourself a heart cath. I said, oh, okay. He goes in, I had an 80% blockage, a 90% blockage, and a 100% blockage. And the 100%, the good Lord and my body had come out above the blockage, come out of the artery on both sides, grown two new arteries down beside the blockage and then tied back in below the blockage. So to this day, I've got 100% blockage in me, but it's got two arteries going around it. But all that was done with no symptoms. Riding a bicycle 10 miles a day, no shortness of breath, no nothing. I was 53 years old. All right, so I go see my brother. I had one sibling, a brother named Jeff. He was two years younger. When he was about 51, I went to see him, and I said, Jeff, you need to go get a stress test done. I said, I had two stents put in when I was 53, and I said, we, we had two 53-year-old cousins had heart attacks, on, one on each side of the family. 39-year-old uncle had triple bypass. His 45-year-old brother dropped dead of a heart attack, et cetera, et cetera. I said, you need to go get a stress test. You're 51. And all these other things happened at 53 in our family. Well, IQ-wise, my brother was probably a genius. And he worked with a bunch of doctors in an oncology clinic. He was a radiation health physicist. He's the one that calibrated and set up treatment programs for the radiation machines and the gamma knife radiation machines, he would calibrate all that. And he worked with a bunch of doctors and IQ wise, he probably was smarter than they were, but sometimes he lacked in common sense. I said, so you need to go get that checked. And he said, oh, they're not gonna 
do anything, check your temperature, maybe get your blood or something. He rubbed his forehead, you know, and I said, no, it's more, plus his wife was a nurse. Well, he never did go, and he dropped dead of a heart attack. And guess how old he was? 53. So I get word on a Sunday, on a Saturday afternoon, that he had died. My mother was there, because she spent two or three months in the winter down in Naples, Florida. And his wife was there, and so I had to hurry up and find a way to get to Naples to help tend to that. So Monroe, Louisiana was not a good connection that, on that short of notice, so I went to Jackson, Mississippi. God, that's probably two hours to the airport for me. And flew down there the, on Sunday. My family came down in the middle of the week. And you've been listening to Doug White tell his story. And by the way, there's a movie based on his story, On a Wing and a Prayer, and Dennis Quaid plays Doug White. When we come back, more of this remarkable story, a remarkable and rich voice from a part of our country, oh, there just aren't enough stories about. More of Doug White's story when we continue, here on Our American Stories. Lee Habib here, the host of Our American Stories. Every day on this show, we're bringing inspiring stories from across this great country. Stories from our big cities and small towns. But we truly can't do this show without you. Our stories are free to listen to, but they're not free to make. If you love what you hear, go to OurAmericanStories.com and click the donate button. Give a little, give a lot. Go to OurAmericanStories.com and give. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe 
Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we continue with Our American Stories and Doug White's story. Let's pick up where we last left off. So we buried my brother on Good Friday. And I remember Friday afternoon being in his house with all the kin folks and all the uh, friends, stuff, family friends. But from Friday afternoon until Sunday afternoon, about 1.30, I don't remember anything, don't remember anything to this day. And that was in 2009. Somebody said, well, you remember going out to the Japanese restaurant that night on Saturday night, don't you? And I said, no, I couldn't tell you. Easter Sunday, they all went to Sunrise Church. I went to the regular time service. I don't remember any of that. So I knew that a King Air airplane from our home airport had been chartered to the final day of the Masters Golf Tournament, to the Masters Final Sunday in Augusta, Georgia. So I made a call to my buddy up there, and I said, well, after you drop those people off in uh, Georgia, can you swing down here to Marco Island, Florida, and pick me and my family up and fly us back to Monroe, and then I'll just pay you the difference in the gasoline between a straight shot back to Monroe and y'all looping down here because the charter people had already paid for the airplane and the and the pilot and all that. I said, yeah, we can do that. So they flew down there. Of course, we were going to come back to Jackson first and drop me off, and then he would go ahead and bring the girls on back to Monroe. Joe K. Buck, C-A-B-U-K, was retired full bird colonel in the Air Force, was the pilot of the airplane. He flew down from Augusta, Georgia, and he landed in well, I got on the airplane, he was going, because we didn't have any return tickets from the time we went down to my brother's funeral because we didn't know what time we'd be coming home or when. 
I said, you care if I sit up front? He said, no, sit right up here. Here, here's a headset. Because I said, I like looking out the window and I like to listen to the radio communication chatter. I'd only be on that, been on that King Air one time in my life before, and that was a couple months earlier, and I'd asked the pilot, not Joe, but another fellow, how do you talk on the radio? And he reached over and showed me which button to push on the yoke there, the, the steering wheel, if you will. So I knew which button to push. So I got on two months later, and Joe was such a pro that he had both sets of radios already tuned in and dialed to the next frequency that we were going to need to talk to. So we take off. We head the south towards Key West. He makes a 180. And we fly up through some clouds because we're getting beat up pretty good and getting kicked around. He said, I remember Joe said, it'll smooth out when we get up on top here. So we popped out on top, and it did smooth out. Well, he's about, when he checks in with Miami Center at 8,500 feet, and you can hear it on YouTube, you can hear him just run out of breath <clears throat> on the radio because he had his finger on the push-to-talk switch. And he dies right there. We're on a 2,000-foot-per-minute climb on autopilot, and I don't have a clue. Every two and a half minutes, we're another mile higher. So I don't know if we're going to run out of oxygen or if we're going to get to a certain height and quit flying and just stall and come out of the sky, which we would have happened. I don't know. But I do know where the push to talk button is because I'd asked the guy two months previous and I remembered and I pushed the button and Joe had set the radio frequencies up where I didn't have to try to find how to get to Miami Center because I wouldn't have had a clue and it would have been dead quiet up there. So I pushed the button and told him what was going on and that we had an emergency and I immediately moved to the head of the, head of the line. When you're in an airplane and you declare an emergency, you move to the head of the class quickly. I got declared emergency. My pilot's deceased. I'm, I need help up here. I mean, I need a King Air pilot to talk to. So they start. The first fellow was not helping me too bad, too much, because I just wanted to stop the climb. It, went, it was supposed to stop at 10,000 feet and level out, but evidently there was a glitch or something because we blew right through 10,000 feet. So here's 11,000, 12,000, 14,000. Pilot, who once again says 10,000. I've already busted 10,000. I'm steady climbing. I need to stop the climb. Stay with me, Miami. Let's go. Five to five, nine Delta Whiskey. I'm here. Don't worry. Uh, we're trying to find a solution to that. Uh, stand by one. So they go get another controller in Miami named Lisa Grimm, who also has some piloting experience. They bring her down. And they set her down beside the first guy I was talking to, and he's working all these airliners full of people because it's Easter Sunday. It's International Airport in Miami, and people are coming in and flying out to visit family and going home and all that. It was busy. So while he's working five or six, seven aircrafts full of hundreds of people, she'll give him a hand signal and say, I got to work this guy. So she'd take over and say something to me for a couple seconds, then hand it back to him. So she convinced me to disconnect autopilot. Five Delta Whiskey, disengage the autopilot. We're going to have you. We're going to have you hand fly the plane. So she showed me where it was at, and I flipped the switch to disconnect it. Uh, I disengaged it. I'm flying the airplane by hand. You find me the longest, the widest runway you can, ma'am. Five Delta Whiskey, Roger. Well, I know all this now. I didn't know it then, but the airplane was trimmed 
to climb at 2,000 foot per minute. So the rudders and ailerons and everything were set to climb. The nose was up. Well, just because I turned off the autopilot, none of that changes. So as soon as I clicked that autopilot off, that nose of that King Air was sticking straight up in the air, and that was the heaviest thing I'd ever grabbed a hold of in my life. I thought I'd grabbed a hold of a 1,000-pound gorilla. So I tried to push the yoke forward as hard as I could with my right hand, and I didn't know it at the time, but there was a little switch by my, my thumb, my left thumb. I, it was an electric trim switch. I could have just pushed it and gave myself some immediate, immediate relief, but I didn't know anything about that. But I knew there was a trim wheel way over on the other side of the airplane. So I reached over there with my left hand while I was, with my right hand, I was shoving the yoke forward as hard as I could to keep the nose from going straight up and stalling the airplane. And I reached between the pilot's dead leg and the panel over there, and I got one finger on the trim control wheel, and I was able to give myself a little bit of relief where I could handle the airplane. So they take me over out over the Gulf of Mexico, I guess, Maybe not going to make as big of an explosion or something. So I'm going out over the Gulf of Mexico, heading west. I've got a baby blue sky going into baby blue water. So I have no visual reference. I mean, it's instrument flight conditions at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And he's wanting me to make a 180 and turn back towards land, and I know that. But I'm afraid to turn the airplane. I'm afraid I'll upset, upset it and flip it upside down. So what should have been a... Maybe a one-minute turn probably took me 10 or 12 minutes because I was all tensed up. Are you showing me in a turn? I'm not moving very good here. Uh, no, sir. It still looks like you're southwestbound, and uh, no, no turn yet. The altitude and speed look good, but uh, you're still southwestbound. Yeah, turn left to left. Okay, hold on. So I'm out over the Gulf of Mexico, and I said, well, if I turn this autopilot back on, well, that helped me fly, and he said, yeah, you can, you can uh, turn that back on if you want to. So I reached down there on the same switch, and I flipped it to on. Well, what I didn't know was when Joe had got ready to take off, he had set the autopilot to fly due north out of South Florida, due north towards the panhandle of Florida. That hadn't changed either just because I'd turned it off. So I'm heading due west out over the Gulf. When I turn the autopilot back on, that thing yanks around to the right and yaws to the right real hard, wanting to fly north like it was set to, and that kind of scared me. So I turned it back off real quick, and I said, no, I can't do that. It messes up my heading. And you're listening to Doug White tell one heck of a story. The movie is on a wing and a prayer. I see it by all means. It's the story of Doug White, and by the way, Dennis Quaid does a heck of a job playing Doug White, but this is Doug White, and you're hearing real-life audio from the tower and my goodness he sounds calm and I guess in in those circumstances that's all you've got but how he handled himself in the cockpit it's just remarkable listening to it my pilot is deceased and I need a King Air pilot to talk to he asks or commands I need to stop the climb he says a bit later when we come back more of Doug White what happens next here on Our American Stories. (music) 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we continue with Our American Stories and Doug White's story. Let's pick up where we last left off. Well, 
the people in Fort Myers, which is on the west side of the state at the airport, they hear that we're coming. Miami hands them off to us, to, to Fort Myers, and they hear we're coming. So the Fort Myers airport gets shut down. Nobody's coming in, nobody's leaving. Dan Favio is one of the controllers at Fort Myers. F-A-V is in Victor I-O, Dan Favio, Fabio. He hears there's a King Air coming in, the King Air's in trouble, and he remembers that he has a good friend in Danbury, Connecticut, that has a lot of King Air experience. That's where Dan used to work. His friend in Connecticut's name is Carrie, K-A-R-I, Carrie Sorensen. Dan gets on his cell phone, calls Carrie Sorensen, Carrie says, hey, buddy, what's going on? Carrie, I don't have time to chat right now. i got a King Air in trouble. I need your help. Carrie had been riding around Danbury, Connecticut that day, and he's, old, he's got an old Model T or a Model A antique car. And he, It was a pretty day, and he, he's riding around with his girlfriend, Ashley. He wasn't even at the house, but he had to come back by the house for something, use the restroom or get something. And that exact moment when he's at his house is when Dan calls him. He said, what can I do for you? He said, he doesn't know anything about a King Air. So Kerry runs down to his basement in Danbury, Connecticut. He's got a King Air poster of the cockpit of a King Air on the wall of his office. So he sits down. He's looking at the exact same thing I'm looking at. And Brian Norton is another controller in Fort Myers. He's, his shift is over. He's leaving the tower. I think it's 2 o'clock local time. He's out in the parking lot, but he's got a little bit of piloting experience. Nothing as complex as a King Air, but little Cherokees and Cessna 172s and such. He's going home. His supervisor runs out of the tower, runs out in the parking lot, and gets Brian and asks him to come back in and sit down and help work us. So Brian's sitting there talking to me in the radio. Dan Fabio's sitting beside Brian talking to Kerry Sorensen 1,200 miles away in a cell phone. So Kerry would say, tell him he needs to drop flaps when he gets ready to land, and the flap setting is right beside his left leg. So he'd tell Dan that. Dan would tell Brian that. Brian would tell it to me, and I'd say, got it. And I said, well, how fast do I need to go without stalling this airplane? He said, stand by. He'd ask Dan, he said, how fast do they have to go without stalling this airplane? He'd ask Kerry, and Kerry would tell him, Dan would tell Brian, and Brian would tell me. That's how they went back and forth for 20 or 25 minutes. That's, that's how you, they just thinking on their feet. I was told later that the NTSB that investigates crashes had already released a crash, a rescue, not a rescue plane, a recovery plane, maybe out of Atlanta, was en route. And they turned the airplane around later and sent them back home, and it's the first time in history that the NTSB had ever turned a recovery plane around. So we come in. When I finally get turned around and I can see land, I'm getting a little bit more comfortable. I can see a strip of a runway out there at 10 or 12 miles. Looks like a little one-inch strip, but now it's all going to be just depth perception and eye-hand coordination. Don't get too slow, don't get too low, and all that. So they tell me where the knob is to drop the landing gear and when to drop the landing gear and all that. Now when I retire these throttle here in a minute, I need to know what's indicated to go to. 
nine Delta Whiskey, Roger. We'll just retard them slowly. You can start now at your discretion, a little bit at a time. And when you get to 150 knots, I'm told you can drop the gear in the flats. And they said later <clears throat> that I was coming in too low. Matter of fact, Brian told me one time on the radio, he said, you've got 12,000 feet of runway if you want to add some more power to it. Because they see I could, my attitude or my angle of descent was too low. Well, the reason for that was, and I know all this now, I didn't know it then, those big white marks on the end of a runway are 1,000 feet from the, down from the end. And that's what your landing point is. That's where all the black tire marks are. That's where all the airliners try to land is 1,000 foot from the end. Well, I didn't know any of that. Nine Delta Whiskey, Roger. It looks good from here. Good job. It ain't over till it's over, man. My landing point, my focus was on the very first inch of concrete of that runway. That's what I was looking at, not a thousand foot down the road. So that's why my angle of descent was so uh, shallow compared to normal. When I touch down, if I ever touch down, do I just kill the throttle or what? That's correct. When you touch down, slowly uh, kill the throttle. So we finally got it down, and now I can taxi it off the runway. Nine Delta Whiskey, when you're ready, you can go to ground frequency 121.9. Nice work. 121.9, thank you. And I'm sitting there, and my headset's moving back and forth. So I tell the controller, the ground controller who I'm talking to now, Look, can you have those airliners move, or can I turn sideways or something because their, their prop blast or jet blast is blowing my headset back here? He said, no, you're fine. Just stay right where you're at. What I didn't realize, I had a double-pane double insulated windshield in front of me. It wasn't jet blast that was coming through that windshield blowing my headset. It was my pulse beating so hard that it was actually literally moving my headset back and forth. So one of the EMTs or one of the firemen gets out in front of the King Air, and he starts giving a signal across his neck, you know, cut the engines, cut the engines. Okay, I get it, but guess what? I don't know how to cut the engines off. So I said, we just went through all this thing for 45 or 50 minutes, now I'm gonna cut somebody's head off. So one of the airline pilots that was waiting to take off was listening to all this, he came on the radio with the controller and volunteered. He said, look, I've got a lot of time in the King Air. I can help him turn those engines off if you want me to. And he said, yeah, go ahead. So he walked me through how to turn the engines off. And I just started with the fuel. And we got the door open. And the EMTs came in and got Joe and took him off, started working on him. But when I came, I remember I told you I came through those clouds on the way up because it was so bumpy. Well, when I was at altitude out over the Gulf of Mexico and I finally got turned around and heading towards land, you know, I'm 11, 12,000 feet high. I've got to come back down to land, obviously, and that, that part of the state, that part of the country is at sea level. Well, when I come back down, I did not come back down through any clouds because if I would have, I'd have been a duster because that's instrument flying conditions. You can't see inside of a cloud. So you have to do everything by instruments, and which would have been, you know, way out of my league. But when I started to come back down, the clouds were not there. We'd just gone through them 30 minutes ago, but when I started to descent, they disappeared. And we're on final approach in Florida at the beach in April in the middle of the afternoon, and there's no wind, none. Matter of fact, uh, Brian Norton, he says it's 
wind's virtually calm because I asked him two or three times about the wind because if it had been a regular wind, I mean, I wouldn't even hit the concrete. And Dan Favio's talking to Kerry up in Connecticut. And he says, they're down, buddy. I'll call you back. And he hangs up. Well, that leaves Kerry in a lurch up in Connecticut because when you're dealing with an airplane, somebody says they're down. That could mean two or three different things. And we're listening to Doug White. He's just successfully landed at King Air. And by the way, his family was on the plane, and all of us listening to this kept wondering to ourselves, could we have done this? Something tells me when you're the dad and you got to bring it home, you bring it home, and something kicked in, some gear kicked in, where he knew he had to do it. When we come back, more of this remarkable story, Doug White's story. The movie is on a wing and a prayer. Dennis Quaid plays Doug White when we come back. More of the real life, Doug White, with the rest of this story here on Our American Stories. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. 
Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we return to Our American Stories and to Doug White, whose story spawned the Hollywood motion picture On a Wing and a Prayer, starring Dennis Quaid. We will also be listening to Doug after receiving an Archie League Medal of Safety Award. The Archie League Award is considered to be the highest honor in the air traffic control profession. Here's Doug picking up with the story of the chain of King Air airplane experts helping Doug control and land after his pilot unexpectedly died. And Dan Favio's talking to Carrie up in Connecticut. And he says, they're down, buddy. I'll call you back. And he hangs up. Well, that leaves Carrie in a lurch up in Connecticut because when you're dealing with an airplane, somebody says they're down. That could mean two or three different things. Well, when it's over with, Dan gets ready to call Carrie back and his cell phone's dead. I don't mean he had to go charge his battery up or get a new battery. He had to get a new cell phone. But he didn't even know Carrie's phone number, and Brian Norton sitting beside him didn't even know Carrie's name. But Dan's cell phone stayed charged up just long enough for Carrie to help us get down and land safely. And there's no wind, and the clouds disappeared. But I know who's in control of the weather, and I know who was in control of that whole event. I know God's not done with us yet. The American people, by and large, are very resourceful people. Uh, the great majority of people in this country have a lot of individual initiative. There are exceptions. We know who they are, because our taxpayer dollars help them be that way. But over the years, the American people have seen problems and they've seen issues and we've worked ourselves around them, over them. We've invented things to make our life easier and fix stuff. We've invented things like, well, the airplane, for instance, because, you know, help us get around better and cars and telephones and televisions and whatnot, because we have initiative. But there's one thing that I found in my lifetime that will knock down resourcefulness of an individual quickly. It will absolutely bury individual initiative every time. And that is bureaucracy of any sort. You see, bureaucrats 
think they're smarter than us regular old Joes. Bureaucrats see a problem like y'all do, and they have to form a committee to figure out what to do. A month down the road, the problem's still there, and they've got to form another committee to oversee the first committee. And the problem is still there, and then they've got to pass a resolution to give themselves permission to study the problem that they got there in the first place. And then they have to have quorums. It takes bureaucrats an hour and a half to watch 60 minutes. <laughs> but this bunch on Easter Sunday, these folks had a problem that they faced on that day. And they didn't form a committee to figure out what to do. They just got it done. They didn't pass a resolution. That's where they are. You can't train for this, people. I guarantee you in your ops manual, that found, sounds fancy. I assume you've got something like an ops manual. <laughs> it doesn't say when King Air Pilot dies. <laughs> Go down to another sector. Get a woman who has some piloting experience, bring her up here, sit her down beside you, and while you're working all these airliners full of hundreds of people, when she gets enough, make a signal and let her work him. And let, convince him to take, care, take the autopilot off. If that doesn't work, go to subsection B. <laughs> Get on a cell phone and call a buddy that lives a thousand miles from here that has King Air experience and talk to him on a cell phone. That is not there. It's individual initiative that gets it done. Those are some of the divine things that fell into place. So we fast forward to now. Well, back it up. Four or five years ago, Brian Eggeston, E-G-E-S-T-O-N, he used to, he was a writer, he used to write for the Tyler Perry Show, but he's was wanting to learn how to fly. So he took two or three hours of flying lessons, and they said, well, you don't need to fly anymore for a while, and you need to learn how to talk on the radio first, and then we'll get back in the airplane. So he's in the room over there in Atlanta doing his flight training, and they put air traffic control conversation on. He's got to listen to it, to see, listen to how the lingo is and how they talk and all that. And what he ends up listening to is the actual 45-minute recording of our incident. And that enthralled him so much that he made an effort to try to get a hold of me. Well, he went the old standard route of trying to find me. He found me through one of my kids on Facebook. He said, are you the one you and your daddy and mama were on the airplane that the pilot passed away and la di da di da and yes, sir. Would you give me your dad's mailing address? So Brian sent me a real nice letter about five years ago, told me who he was, said he's a screenwriter, said he was a fledgling pilot and he was a Christian and he wanted to know if I cared if he wrote a screenplay about the event. I said, no, I don't care. And by the way, that air traffic control tape, that recording of 40 something minutes, is used today and has been used for several years now in training by the FAA when they're training new controllers and also when they're recertifying them. It's training them what to do and what not to do in an emergency situation like that. So Brian and I said, yeah, that'd be fine. I don't care. 
So he said, would you mind if I come to your house and interview you? And I said, no, I don't care about that either. So he loaded up. He drove to Archibald, Louisiana in his pickup truck, and he spent about three days with us. And he had his tape recorder, and he'd ask me a question, and sometimes he'd push record, and we wouldn't, he wouldn't say anything for two hours. And he just recorded everything. I took him to my little golf course and took him to our little church and fed him and all that, and we ended up being real close. And we talked about a few things we'd like to have in the film and a few things we didn't need in the film. We all agreed with that. And he went back and got busy, and six weeks or so later, he sent me a script. It was called Flying by Faith was the title he put on it. And I liked it, and I said, let's go with it. So he spent the last four or five years trying to sell that, and he'd just get pretty close with one of the studios, and the guy would retire, or he'd get fired, or he'd go change jobs or something, so we have to start all over again. As a matter of fact, MGM uh, turned it down two or three years ago. Well, then they got across on Roma Downey's desk. And Roma and her husband, Mark Burnett, run the faith-based section of MGM called Lightworkers, and she fell in love with the script. And she went home, she told Mark, she said, you need to read this. And she said, Mark Burnett has never read a script. Can't stand to read the movie script, but he read this one, and he fell in love with it. And they picked it back up, and they made the film as MGM, even though they turned it down a couple of years. A different department of MGM had turned it down a couple of years previous. In the meantime, she gets a hold of Dennis Quaid. He was working on another project with her. She said, Dennis, I think you'd be perfect to play Doug White in this film. He said, you're a pilot. You're from the South, et cetera. So he said, well, yeah, let me read it. So he came back, and he said, I'd love to do that film. So they got Dennis Quaid on board. And in the meantime, Amazon has since bought MGM. So Jeff Bezos and Amazon owns MGM now. And they were going to release this film last August or so, but it got moved up, and I think by divine intervention, it's a lot better idea anyway, and it's going to be released on, week, on Easter weekend this year under the name of On a Wing and a Prayer. MGM changed it to the the title of On a Wing and a Prayer. So it's going to be released on Good Friday, which is April the 7th, 23 this year, because the whole incident originally took place on Easter Sunday. And the papers in South Florida called it the Easter Miracle. So 14 years after the fact, we're still here. We've got three granddaughters later, and the movie's coming out, and we hope it it's a home run for the studios. We hope it's a home run for the church throughout the world, and we hope it's a home run for Brian Nicholson's professional career. I'm hoping it does real well for Amazon. Thank you for listening. And a terrific job on the production, editing, and storytelling by our own Greg Hengler. And a special thanks to Doug White for sharing his story. The movie based on this story, On a Wing and a Prayer, with Dennis Quaid playing Doug White. And my goodness, what an authentic voice and what an authentic sounding solution to a problem. And we know what he's talking about when he talks about how Americans can just, well, get things done. And we all know what bureaucracies look and feel like in the public and the private sector. And it's not pleasant. Heck, what's the series The Office about, if anything, but how silly and goofy working in large bureaucracies can be and what they can feel like. Doug White's story here on Our American Stories. 
I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.